You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Hey, I can't tell you how happy I am to be back in Chester, everybody. So good to be here. If you don't know me, my name is Glenn, and it's great to be with you. And uh, I don't think I've been here since May last year. I am so sorry about that. If you want to know, if you want to blame anyone, blame Pastor Mark Foster. He actually sets the, uh, the preaching road of these days, and he tells everybody where they're going. And, uh, and I just said to him recently, I said, I haven't been to Chester for ages. He said, I forgot about that. And, uh, and so I'm so happy to be here. So I've invited myself. It's good to be with you. It's good to uh, see what God is doing in our Chester location. Know that Lee and Lazanne are in London this weekend celebrating Lazanne's mum's birthday. I, I can't tell you what number because you never tell a lady's um, age, do you? But... Uh, uh, cheers for that. That's good. Abby, run up here quickly for a second. Uh, I was just thinking, let me take your hand. There you go. Um, I was just thinking actually about all the things that have changed since I was last here. What's happened since May last year? Um, did you know as a church, we've been involved in putting 400,000 pounds on the ground into the Ukraine and in Poland? Did you know we've been a part of um, buying 3,000 radiators to keep people warm in the Ukraine over this winter season? What else have we done? I got to meet the king, Abby. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's the ring he gave me. No, just kidding. And, um, and, uh, and whilst, oh, Sophie and I, we've got a puppy, everybody. You just uh, find me on Instagram. We've, we've got a puppy that's a shorky. It's, it's a mixture between a, a, um, a, they call it a shizu, I think, but I prefer the term shih tzu, and, uh, and yorkie. And so it's a shorky. It's about this big. It's, it's, it's cute. Uh, what, else, what else has happened since May last year? Sophie and I had a long service leave. Three months away, two months in Spain, which was amazing. I am now 1,060 days in learning Spanish on Duolingo, everybody. Uh, I know enough Spanish to create World War III. And um, recently insulted a Spanish waitress in a restaurant in Manchester, actually, trying to speak Spanish, and I called her a name that I didn't realize I was calling her. So uh, what else has changed? you got some new tattoos. I was looking at your tattoos, right, Abby? And I thought, okay, now that's, that's a random eclectic bunch of... Um, of tattoos and uh, just just show everybody this one here. That's a pomegranate. You're the only person I've ever met get a pomegranate. Exactly, that's the point. I'm the only per- people go, why have you got a pomegranate? So you would ask me why I've got a pomegranate tattoo. Do you want to know why she's got a pomegranate tattoo? Okay. It's it's just my favourite song. It's the album cover. That's it. Yeah. By what band? What's the band? Does anyone know, um, I can't believe this, anyone remember Rizzle Kicks? Yeah, so it's one of the guys from Rizzle Kicks. We're, we're church guys, we only listen to hymns, worship. What's this one here? Uh, this is an olive branch. An olive branch? For a smiley face. For just... Just because it's a smiley face. I've got a chair. A chair? Just... You're old school, you are. All right. Is that a little bird? Little bird. Is that a swallow? What's that? Yeah. It's a sparrow. It's, it's not a swallow. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. You got a drum kit here. Oh, yeah. And they, they all got specific things that they're meaning? Yeah. That was nice. I haven't got a tattoo. Should I get one? 
Get a pomegranate. Yeah. Uh, should we take a vote? How many of you think I should not get a tattoo? Give me hands. All those over 50. How many of you think I should get a tattoo? Let's, uh, oh, there's definitely an age there. Let me help you down off the stage here. Yeah, thanks, Abby. Thanks for showing your tattoos. So good. Well, listen, uh, Pastor Emily was here last week, and, um, and I'm here this week. What a joy. I didn't know she was speaking on tithes and offerings this week, uh, last week, but I want to speak this week on generosity. And, and, and don't think money, okay? I'm not talking about that. I am on a one-man mission. I'm on a one-man mission to see our nation become more generous again, more generous in heart, in, in ethos, in, in speech, everything about it. Just about 10 days ago, I was down at Windsor Castle and I was asked to bring a lecture to a room full of academics on reimagining leadership in the modern culture. And they gave me an hour to, to do a lecture and then we broke up into groups. And uh, it was um, a lot of um, uh, clerics, a lot of uh, academics in the Church of England community and um, some bishops and different things there. And one of the questions that they asked me in the time at the end was this, is tell us about the growth of the Pentecostal church. Now, if you don't know, we are a Pentecostal church. Our Pentecostal churches really kind of believe that, that the, the Holy Spirit is still at work, still changing lives. We believe in the fruit of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts. And, um, and, and they were saying, you know, Pentecost is a new thing. Pentecostal church is a new thing. And I smiled at them. I said, well, not really. I said, uh, we actually find our roots in Acts chapter 2. And um, we had a little bit of fun on that. And, uh, and we talked a little bit about those things. And, they, and I was talking about the Pentecostal church world. Now, one of the things you've got to know is that we are a part of a movement of churches called Assemblies of God. And Assemblies of God globally have 380,000 churches. And we're on a trajectory over the next 10 years, by 2033, to have a million churches. In fact, one of the roles that I have is overseeing all of church planting for, for Assemblies of God all the way through up to the Russian border. And just found out this week that the Russian church wants to be a part of what we're doing for church planting. And just this week, they've sent a goal. How's this? That despite the war and the conflict, the Russian church has a goal that in the next 10 years, they want to see established 20,000 new churches in the next 10 years. That's amazing, right? So we're seeing this amazing thing happen all around the world. But I was talking to, to a lot of these um, uh, people 10 days ago, and I said, the difference is this, is in the Pentecostal church world, we've, we don't come from a place of having buildings, having pensions, having salaries, having nest eggs, having inheritance, having financial legacy or anything like that. I said to them, some of you in this room look at life as either glass half empty or glass half full, but we're a little bit different. We don't look at the glass as half empty or half full. We look at the glass as cup running over, Psalm 23. And, and that sense where oh, this idea that without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, the Bible says all things are possible. And it's really with that type of spirit that I want to talk to you about generosity today, about what it means to be a generous person. Turn to your neighbor say, I hope you're feeling generous today. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I hope you're a generous person. Proverbs chapter 11 says this. You'll know this passage, Proverbs eleven twenty four. It says, the world of the generous gets what? Larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. 
Now, I think that most of us want to have a larger life. Larger life, what does that mean? Larger in the sense of increasing influence, maybe, more friends, maybe, uh, maybe more finances, maybe favor in the workplace, whatever it be. The Bible's super clear here that when you are a generous person, your world gets incrementally larger. Define larger as you will for your own particular context. But the Bible's clear here that in all of our lives, we have two worlds. That right now in your life, there's a generous part to you, but there's also in you right now a stingy part to you. How do I know that? Well, whenever it comes time, maybe in church, to taking an offering, there's a bit of an internal wrestle. Or you're out with friends and the bill comes to the table and, and, and the check is put on the table and you have that internal wrestle. Should I pay for everybody or not? I think we all know what it's like to have two worlds colliding in our lives. I often find this on a Sunday when I'm going home from church. In our Manchester Central campus, mostly, um, you know, the kids all know me and they'll run up to me and, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll kind of hang onto my leg, Pastor Glenn, Pastor Glenn, and, and I'll pick them up and I'll ruffle the hairs on their heads and thousands of people will come and go all through the day. And you know what? In church, it's, I guess, okay for parents who allowed for me to ruffle their hair of the children. Yeah, Pastor Glenn, how are you doing, Billy? Good to see you. How was school this week? Oh, really good, Pastor Glenn. You know, that, that's okay. Pastor Glenn, church. But how many of you know when I'm going home and I'm at Tesco on a Sunday afternoon? And so he says, hey, can you pick up some chicken, a roast chicken on the way home and, and that? And, and if I'm there in, in the chicken aisle, is there a chicken aisle? I'm looking at the roast chicken. And how many of you know, if a child comes and stands next to me here, it's wholly inappropriate for me to put my hands on the kid's head and say, hello. Because on a Sunday afternoon, I'm still in Sunday church mode. And now here I am, and twice it's happened that I've ruffled the hair of a child of someone I don't know. Once in Tesco, never been back there again. And once in Sainsbury's, because there's two worlds that are colliding. Two weeks ago, I was back in Australia visiting my mum. And my mum had a series of operations at the end of last year. Thank you for your prayers. Those of you who are praying, she's doing well. Next week, she's 87. And uh, she's doing so good. But I was visiting my mum and my best mate from Australia came to visit me for two days. His name is Lee. And Lee is a church pastor in Outback Australia. For those of you who are old enough to remember Crocodile Dundee, that sort of space and place. He's out there. And I also had my oldest friend from the UK who's a pastor and he was on holidays near where my mum lives. And I had a moment two or three weeks ago where I'm on the driveway of my mum's house and there is my oldest friend from Australia. There is my oldest friend from Britain and we're outside my mum's house and it's like two worlds colliding. Now, when I'm back in Australia, I am full what we call ochre. I am full Aussie. But when I'm here in Britain, I do my best to get rid of my Australian accent because for 27 years, people say, oh, where are you from? How long have you been here? Are you just on holidays? Well, actually, no, I was born here. Dad stole some bread. We got shipped to Australia for a whole heap of years. And I came back. I'm sick of that discussion. But it was like two worlds colliding. You know what this is like in your world. 
You know, you know what it's like to be in school, to be in college, to have that teacher in school, and that's okay. But have you ever run into your teacher in Asda? Is that not the most awkward thing in the world? It's like you know Miss Smith in school, but now Miss Smith is in Asda, and this just doesn't quite feel right. I've had that a few times with people who've known me in church. So about two or three weeks ago, I was at the hospital for the situation that I have with my eye, still believing for a miracle with that. And um, I was in the hospital. I was in the waiting room. And I wasn't wearing a mask. Most of the people weren't. Of four appointments with my eye, the, the nurse said, oh, can you put on a mask, please? And I felt like saying, no. I did. I felt like I, said, I, I don't want to wear a mask. That, that's what I felt like. But I said, sure. I picked up a mask and I sat down in the room where the nurse was looking at the monitor and then she looked at me and looked, looked at the monitor and looked back at me and I said, how's your day going? She goes, oh, thank you for asking. It's, it's been okay. And we had a bit of a discussion. I asked her a few questions and then she looked at me. She said, uh, you're Pastor Glenn, aren't you? I went, yes. She said, I've been coming to your church for three years in Manchester. She says, I've never been this close to you, though. And she's putting these drops into my eyes. And it's, it's like worlds colliding. You know what that's like. Happens in your world all the time. You ever had a, an ex-relationship, a boy or a girl, and then you get married, and to, not to that one, to somebody else, and now you've got kids, and all these years later, you run into that person. Talk about worlds colliding. It's never happened to me before, of course. We know what that's like. That's what the Bible's saying here. The Bible's saying that in you, in me, we have two worlds that are constantly on a collision course. And we have a choice how we want to respond. We can have a world that's growing bigger or we can have a world that's getting smaller. The Bible says the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Let me define stingy for you. Stingy means this. It means frugal, miserly, parsimonious, and to be a tightwad. I love that. How good is that? Anybody know somebody like that? Anybody know someone like that, that when they invite you out to the coffee shop or you're going out for a meal, you know what it's like. You are literally going out and spending some time who is a tightwad. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be known for being a tightwad. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. It says, A frugal planter gets a miserly crop, but a lavish planter gets a lavish crop. The Bible says in Proverbs 23 6, Don't eat with people who are parsimonious, stingy, don't delicate, don't desire their delicacies. Psalm 37 21 says this, The generous gets it all in the end, but the tightwad is cut off at the pass. The Bible's really saying that if you are a person who's frugal, miserly, parsimonious, or a tightwad, then your world is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. What I thought I'd do for a moment is give you some signs that you know you're becoming a stingy person. Number one, the first sign that you're becoming a stingy person is this, is that your response to every opportunity is, I don't have enough money. If that's your initial thought with every opportunity that is given to you, then you know that you're on the journey to becoming parsimonious, frugal, a tightwad. And the Bible says if we become that, our world will get smaller. Let me give you a classic example. 
Every two years or so, I like to do a, a trek, an adventure to, to, to help me kind of reconnect with my, with my, with my manly roots as, as a man. You know, I live in a world of face cream and man bags. And, and so a few times I've ridden motorbikes across Mongolia and other, done other things. Later this year, I'm doing a jungle trek through Papua New Guinea with about 30 different pastors. And we're being led by some of the guys from the SAS. And it's going to be a crazy, crazy time of camping out and different things like that. But I've talked to pastors around the world. I've said, hey, listen, do you want to come on this trek? And it's been amazing to me how many people have responded with, I can't afford it. When we've not actually talked about money, they don't know how it's being underwritten and people are potentially prepared to pay for them to do it. No, no, none of that. Their initial response is, I don't have enough money. And I want to suggest that you know you're becoming parsimonious if when every opportunity is presented to you, you think money that's a bad sign. Instead of thinking, okay, God, what opportunities are you presenting to me? You know, I say this to young adults all the time who are getting married. And uh, they'll come up to me and they say, after they've got married, Pastor Glenn, we've been renting for two years and now we're buying a house. And I'm like, fantastic. How much is the house? And they'll say like, like 250,000 pounds, which always makes me smile because my first house in England cost 29,000 pounds. And I'll say, wow, 250,000 pounds, amazing. Why are you buying a house for 250,000 pounds? They're like, well, you know what? We've got a 30,000 pound deposit and we're getting a 220 grand mortgage. You put it together, 250,000 pounds. Fantastic. But why are you buying a house for 250,000 pounds? They look at me like, Pastor Glenn, it's because we've got a 30 grand deposit and you put, you've got 220 grand mortgage, you put it together and, and it's 250 grand and, and, and we're buying a house that much. I'm like, amazing. And then I'll ask again, but why are you buying a house for 250,000 pounds? And they look at me like I've lost my mind or I've been smoking and drinking or injecting something. They're like, Pastor Glenn, what, what are you talking about? I said, listen, I know the maths. And you may know this to be true too, that the, the, the English word mortgage comes from the, da- the Latin phrase death grip. And I'm amazed how many Christian people allow a death grip to determine their inheritance. Instead of actually driving around Chester, driving around North Wales, driving around Manchester and saying, okay, God, I know how much the banks says I can afford. But I'm asking you, God, God, what is the opportunity that you are playing? Well, what is the property? Where, what is the inheritance for my children and my children's children? I can honestly say this, folks. In four years, sorry, in 27, 28 years of marriage, we've lived in four different houses. And every time we've bought a house, it has been a miracle. Because for us, the maths has never been 30 plus 220 makes 250. The maths has always been, okay, God, what next? Where? What does it look like? The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, and I want to encourage you, friends, next time you buy a house, next time you know what your budget is, go for a drive and pray and say, God, what opportunity are you presenting to me? The first response should never be money. The first response should always be, God, what are you saying? What do you want me to do? How can I obey your voice? The second sign that you're a tightwad, it's good that, isn't it? Tightwad is this, is that the op, you're op, an opportunity to bless becomes an opportunity to gain. 
I, I recently, my favorite band in the world came to Manchester. I won't tell you who it is. It's definitely not Rizzle Kick, sorry. And, um, and I bought the tickets. I, I bought four tickets, and they were um, 60 pounds each. And every year or every two years, I try to take uh, some friends from, from our Manchester Central campus, Matt and Elena, to a concert. And, uh, and so 60 quid each. And then it turned out that I double booked. And they double booked. And in the interim, between me purchasing the tickets and the concert coming close, the concert tickets rose to about 300 pounds each. And I thought, well, hey, who's into money? I'm into money. And I thought to myself, gosh, I don't want to be the tightwad. And so with two worlds colliding, the stingy and the generous, I rang up some friends and said, hey, do you want to go and see such and such? They're like, we'd love to. We can't afford it. I'm like, i got four tickets for you. You know, I want you to know something. Our church, we have a Facebook group called Facebook Swap and Recycle. And, and in that Facebook Swap and Recycle, every now and again, I just, I, I, I just try to get a, a litmus test for how generous our church is. See, some people, hey, four-legged stool, one leg missing. You can buy it, though, for eight quid. I'm thinking, mm. you know. And you see some people posting and think, oh, gosh. And then I go and see others. Hey, free room in our house for the next year. I think in the last year I've seen three cars given away on that site. Uh, just acts of generosity. And I want to encourage you, let, let's, let's not be the tightwad. Let's, let, let's understand that sometimes instead of thinking this is an opportunity to gain, it could be an opportunity to bless. Third thought, third thing is this, is that, that how to get money becomes your number one thought. If that's your primary thinking, then there's a problem and a challenge there. Number four, Josh, sit down for a second. I'll tell you when to come up, son. Number four is this. Fourth sign that you're a tightwad is this, is that you struggle to remember. How good is this one? You're going to love this. You struggle to remember the last time you were extravagantly generous. When were you last so generous that you went to bed and thought, what on earth? What was I thinking doing that? I mean, just, just to be an extravagantly generous person. Number five is this, is, is you renege on financial promises. That's a sign that you're becoming a stingy person. And number six, you're more generous with other people's money than your own money. It's one thing being generous with an expense account from business. But what about your money? And when we are more generous with somebody else's money than our own, then it's a good sign that we're becoming stingy. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you are really generous anyway. I'm just giving you the why behind the what. So let's talk about generosity. Because generosity is like a muscle. And I want to encourage you, let's start to work the muscle of generosity. Because one thing I do know is this, is that in Acts chapter 2, one of the reasons why the church began to grow is because they shared. They had everything in common. There, there was a spirit of generosity on the early church. And I think if we can become a generous people. So let me tell you three things about generosity. Number one, and I believe this is so important, be kind. Kindness is one of the greatest acts of generosity that there is. 
That's why I'm so thankful that we were able to raise the money they were able to raise last week for, for, for Turkey and Syria. I, I hear reports of, of, of kindness in, in the house of God in our church. And that moves me. You know why? It's because I believe that kindness is what God wants of the church. It's what we know in, in the Bible as the golden rule. Matthew 7, 12. Jesus says this, Do to others as you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Be kind to them like you would have them be kind to you. Jesus says this sums up the law and the prophets. What's the law? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You don't have to read those five books anymore. That's the law. Jesus sums it up. Be kind to others as you would have them be kind to you. But he also says it sums up the prophets. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Isaiah, Jeremiah. You don't need to read them anymore. Just be kind. Kindness. And and I'm on a one-man mission. You know why? Because I see so much unkindness in the world. I, I, I too read social media. I too read the news. We live in a, in, a, in a cancel culture world where everybody's angry and everybody's upset and everybody's offended. Maybe you've been offended too. What would it look like to be a generous people? To just make a decision. You know what? This week, I'm on a mission to be kind. Instead of reacting and responding in, in angry ways. The Bible says a gentle answer turns away wrath. So instead of reacting, how about taking a deep breath? The Bible defines the Spirit of God as the ruach, the breath of heaven. And there's something about taking a deep breath. To, uh, the ruach, God, Spirit of God, breathe into me so that in this moment I can be kind. I want to encourage you, friends, be kind. Be kind. Despite what's happening with gender in society, I'm still committed to opening the door to ladies. Even though I've been insulted on a few occasions. I don't care. I'm still going to open the door. In fact, I'm going to open the door whether you're a lady or a man. I'm still going to open the door. Be kind. Just a smile on the face. Be kind. To be somebody who's known for being kind. What a great epitaph on your grave. Here lies the body of Joel. Not yet. Many, many years time. He was the kindest man we know. To be a kind person. Because the fact is this, friends, is everybody's fighting a battle you know nothing of. You know nothing of their childhood. You know nothing of their upbringing. You know nothing of the trauma of their life. But if we can make a decision as men and women to to be kind. Remember the story of little Billy in Sunday school? He's four years of age, and his Sunday school teacher says, Hey, class, he says, Hey, she says, Hey, everybody, what's kindness? Because today we're going to look in the Bible about kindness. What's kindness? And Billy says, I know, miss, that's when my mum brings me toast in the morning. Good answer, Billy. But what's loving kindness? He said, That's easy. It's when she puts jam on it. Ought <laughs> oh, to be a church that just goes through life putting jam on it. Putting the, the, the sweetness and the kindness of God and, and the love of God to this generation. So I want to encourage you all, be kind. Make a decision this week. I'm going to be kind. You can pray it. Pray this afternoon on the way home. Lord, help me to be kind this week. And you know when you're kind, when you pray that prayer, Lord, help me to be kind, you know you're going to have an opportunity to be kind because you're going to be presented with an opportunity to be 
unkind. And then two worlds collide. Am I going to react or am I going to respond? Am I going to let the situation get the best of me or am I going to be a generous person and answer with kindness in Jesus' name? Okay, the second thing, I'm nearly done because Josh is getting edgy on the front row over there. The the second thing of, of generosity is this, is forgive. Forgiveness. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate, forgiving just as God forgave you. And you know, friends, we could do a whole series on forgiveness because I know it's hard to forgive. And in a moment where hardship is done to you and trauma is the result and you have been the victim of something, the Bible says that we should forgive as God forgave us. But there's a collision. There's a sense of injustice. There's a sense of unfairness. Yeah, but I want to punish that person for what they did. But I just want you to know, friends, you cannot write the next chapter of your life while you keep rereading the last one. That forgiveness is not about saying to the perpetrator of the crime against you that what you did is okay. No, no, it's about saying, I'll be okay. Forgiveness is not letting them off the hook. Forgiveness is letting you off the hook. Forgiveness is cutting the ties that are holding you back in the midst of that trauma and saying, you know something, I choose to be generous because generosity is when I do something that is undeserving, but I do it because God is committed to my world getting larger and larger. Father, I pray just even right now across this place, as we struggle with forgiveness, I struggle with forgiveness. Help us, I pray, in this season to become a people who are quick to forgive. Lord Jesus, we we know that you know that struggle. Because even in your humanity on the cross, being perfectly innocent, being hung on that cross for our sins, even you prayed, Lord, forgive them. So Lord, I pray, give us the same capacity that you had to forgive. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to encourage you to be kind. Come on up, Josh. Nice boots, by the way. They're awesome. And they sell men's boots where you got them as well, do they? Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love him. I, I am being kind. I am being kind. I'm being kind because I really dialed back on what I was going to (laughs) say. Third thing about generosity I want you to get a hold of is this, is give a gift. Give a gift. Proverbs 18.16 says this, The gift makes way for the giver and ushers them into the presence of the great. The gift makes way for the giver. You know what that reminds us of? That reminds us of the Queen of Sheba in the Old Testament. She'd heard about King Solomon. She'd heard about the fame of King Solomon, who King Solomon was. And she knew that that you don't automatically get an audience with the king by requesting anything. You've got to be invited into the king's presence. And so you know what she did? She sent, the Bible says, a great array of gifts. 
gift after gift. And one day, King Solomon wakes up. He's sitting on his throne in this amazing palace that his father designed and that was built. And he's sitting just thinking, man, life is good. And then all of a sudden, the doors open and in comes the latest Xbox, the latest iPhone, the latest Maserati, all these gifts, this amazing array of gifts. And he says, who sent the gifts? And they said, the Queen of Sheba. And he's like, I've never heard of her, but let her come into my presence. Proverbs 18, 16 says, the gift makes way for the giver and ushers them into the presence of the great. Some of you know Shane and Sheena who are part of our church. I was just with them 10 days ago, I went to their house and, and you do the same. Whenever you go to somebody's house, you'll stop at Tesco, Sainsbury's, you'll stop at, at Waitrose if you're posh. Um, and, and what you'll do is you'll stop and you, you'll get a bottle of something to drink and, and chocolates and flowers and desserts because you know that when you go to see someone, it's, it's right, it's courteous, it's, it's the right thing to do to bring a gift. And I just think that in all of our lives that generosity is actually about bringing a gift. And here's what I've discovered. Though the gift may leave your hand, it never leaves your life. Because in the kingdom of God, God sees every act of kindness, every act of forgiveness, and He sees every act of generosity in bringing a gift. So let's be gift givers this season, church. Let's be gift givers. Let's be givers of our time and givers of our energy and givers, givers of stuff that maybe we even buy with cash. But even if we haven't got the cash, you can still be a gift giver without going to a shop to actually bring gifts and, and, and to, be, to be kind. The Bible says this in Proverbs eleven twenty six: the one who blesses others will be abundantly blessed. Now, some of you know my wife, right? Sophie is Latin American, Sydney born, but she has Chilean parents, which means she's crazy. And I can say that because she's not here. Muy fuego. She's, she's got fire. She's, she's muy loca. She's crazy, man. She, just, here's what I've discovered, right? Is, is I can move the immovable one, God, easier than I can move my wife. Babe, we, we've got to leave now. We've got to leave the house now. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just putting on my makeup. Yep, We haven't got time. We've got to go now. I'm just doing my hair. You should have done it half an hour. We've got to go now. Trying to move my wife is a lot harder than moving God, who's immovable. I'm going to show you how. Deuteronomy 15.10. Give freely and spontaneously. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God. You're God's blessing in everything you do, in all your work and adventures. Give freely and spontaneously. It triggers God. That when you're generous, it, it triggers God's heart to bless you in everything. Let me give you an example of this. About seven years ago, the Conservative Party were, were coming to Manchester for their their, their um political conference. And we got a phone call from number 10 Downing Street saying the Prime Minister would love to come and join you on Sunday for worship. Is that okay? So I said, yes. And then secondly, I thought, gosh, I hope when he walks in, our church don't boo him or anything like that. That'd be tragic. And so for the next few weeks, I'm preaching on kindness, being good, honouring people. We honour people not because they're honourable. We honour people because we're honourable. Uh, you know, uh, the way you speak about person is not about them. It reflects who you are. And I'm doing all this. And and then the night before, 
the Prime Minister was due to be with us in church. We hadn't told the church that the Prime Minister was coming. Um, there was a, an issue in the political party and he had to stay behind and do some work. But a whole heap of our MPs came to church. And after the service, it was a, an evening service, Sunday night, and I found myself talking to one of the MPs and we're talking for about an hour, an hour and 20 minutes. And then I looked around and realised the security team were wanting to lock up. Everyone had gone home. And this MP lived in London. And I said, oh, where are you staying tonight? And he told me where he was staying in Manchester. He was staying with some friends. And I said, how are you getting there? He said, the subway, uh, the, the, um, the underground. And I'm like, oh, good luck with that, mate. No, we got no underground. He said, that's okay, I'll catch a taxi. I said, no, I'll drive you. And he said this to me, he said, is it, is it on your way? And I'm like, yes, it's on my way. But the reality is this, it was 45 minutes the wrong way. But depending on how you drive to my house, technically it is on the way. So I drove him home, 45 minutes the wrong way. Stopped outside his friend's house, talked for another hour, drove 45 minutes home back the other way to get home. And I got home at about one o'clock in the morning and I didn't think much about it. But 10 months later, we had an invite to Sophie and I to go and uh, to go to number 10 and to spend some time with, with the Prime Minister and, and some of the leadership of the country at the time. And we walked in and, and we had like a, an hour's audience there, and, you know, security checks and leave your mobile phone in a pigeonhole and, and all that sort of stuff. And at the end, we, 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 we said goodbye and we were leaving and we picked up our phones. And as I'm leaving through 10 Downing Street, I hear someone say, hey, Glenn. And I look up. He said, how you doing? And I said, good. He said, do you remember me? I'm like, sorry, no. And he introduces us. He said, you took me home in Manchester to my friends. I said, oh, yeah, I remember. He said, have you been to 10 Downing Street before? I said, no, no never, first time. He said, I'll oh, put your phone back. Let me show you where nobody else sees took me in all the nooks and crannies, those secret corridors, you know, the houses that are attached. We ended up, you know, going to Queen Victoria's throne, you know, the chair. I actually And uh, it was amazing. And, and, and the favour that's come from that point to now with, with all sorts of things that have happened over the last eight years, where did it come from? didn't come because I'm anybody important. I just think it came because there was just a moment, an opportunity where an act of generosity. Do you remember what the Bible just said? It said, give freely, spontaneous. Don't have a stingy heart. Don't be parsimonious. Don't be a tight wad. Go 45 minutes out of your way because the way you handle matters those triggers God, God's blessing in everything you do, all of your work and all of your adventures. Your generosity moves God in every area of your life. So this week, friends, be generous. Don't just make coffee for you in the workplace. Make coffee for all of your work colleagues. And you know what happens when you're doing that? You're putting a bullet in the gun of heaven and you're saying, God, when you are ready, pull the trigger of blessing in my life. When you have an opportunity to be kind, an opportunity to, 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 to give a gift, to sow of your time and your energy, you're saying to God, God, please pull the trigger at your time. And here's what I've discovered. He will pull the trigger when He's good and ready and you'll find you'll stumble into favour and blessing and increase and a larger life and you'll find yourself standing in rooms going, how on earth did I get here? Because eight years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you had a moment to put the bullet in the gun of heaven and you said, God, when you're ready, pull the trigger. I finish with this. We think about the Ukraine. 
we think about Syria and Turkey. Proverbs 19:17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and He will reward them for what they have done. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and He will reward them for what they have done. So here's my iPhone. Um, I don't know how much this costs, actually. Um, a friend in Australia bought this for me. He was generous. He bought me a phone. And what he did is actually put a bullet in the gun of heaven, ready for God to pull the trigger of blessing. This is my phone. It's my contract, my phone. Richard's sitting there and, Richard, I'm going to lend you my phone. Thank you. Now, here's my question. Whose phone is it? It's mine. It's still my phone. I lent it to him. Richard owes me something. When you are kind, when you are generous, you lend to God. And now God is in your debt. God owes So the next time that you see a Christian man or woman who's blessed in whatever realm, hey, listen, don't, don't criticize them. Don't judge them because you don't know how many times this has been happening over the years of their life and ministry. But the lesson is simple, that if you want to have a larger life, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and He will repay them. He will repay you in all walks of life. So let's be a generous people. Don't think it's rocket science. But what is rocket science is that I'm 11 minutes over time. Father, thank You for Your Word to us today. God, what a really good, good God You are. And we know, God, that You are generous. We know that because You sent Your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're thankful that it's because of your kindness and your generosity to us that we're able to be in church and have relationship with each other and to spend time worshipping you. We're so thankful for your kindness and generosity to us. And I pray, help us in turn to be a generous, generous people. Father, if there's anything in this service that's been distracting to anybody in this room, I pray that that would just fall by the wayside and may the truth of Your Word and may Your presence be the thing that remains in our hearts and lives this week. In Jesus' Name. Amen. I want to pray one more prayer, everybody. Um, it's kind of related to the haircut that I got yesterday. What do you think? It looks good. And um, I've been going to my hairdressers, my barbers in central Manchester for, gosh, about 12 years now. Great guys, actually. And they, they properly don't love Jesus. You know what I mean by that? Like they're, they're proper pagans in every, in every way. And they would love your tattoos, by the way, Abby. Um, and they got tattoos on tattoos. And, and I've got to tell you my story about one of my barbers a few years ago. His name was Steve, Steve Lightfoot. Steve was a, was a native North American born in native in, in North America, but living in the UK. And I used to go and get my hair cut with him all the time. And, and Steve, Steve once, he said to me, Glenn, how come you're, not, you're not, not complaining? You don't complain about anything. How come you're always smiling? I said, Steve, you've heard this a hundred times. The difference between you and me is my relationship with Jesus. So he said, well, how can I know Jesus for myself? I said, Steve, it's simple. Tonight, before you get into bed with your new girlfriend, get on your knees and pray and say, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. 
He said, I'm going to do it. And then he said this, and your haircut is for free. And I know something, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. So I said, thanks so much, Steve, knowing full well that God was about to do something. Three weeks later, I ran back for a trim. And as I walked into the barber's, he, he sees me there and he says, hey, Glenn, I did it. I said, what'd you do, Steve? He said, I did it. I said, what'd you do? He said, I did it. And everyone waiting to get a haircut said, what'd you do? He said, I prayed to God and every jaw hit the floor. And, 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 and I said, what happened? He said, I, 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 I went to sleep. I had a dream. And in my dream, he said, Jesus stepped into my dream. He said, I've never felt peace like it. I sense a purpose like it. He said, tell me more about Jesus. And I've got to tell you, on this Thursday afternoon in this hairdress, I had the best church service I've ever had in my life. There wasn't a big crowd. There was only seven, seven or eight people there. And as I shared with him about Jesus, but you know the thing that brought him to that point? Honestly, a little bit of kindness, a little bit of generosity. And then eight months later, I stood at the front as he wore a tuxedo and the girl wore the white dress. And I was able to stand at the front and say, we're gathered here in the sight of God to witness this amazing occasion. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. You know church, you know religion. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about knowing Jesus, having a relationship with God. I want to include you in this prayer. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online, every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 